Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. You are listening to the Build Your Network podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place, because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show today. I'm really excited to have a featured member of my mastermind here and really, honestly, a, a big mentor in my life as well. It's somebody that I met about uh, a little bit over three years ago now, mm -hmm. three years ago, 2017, May of 2017. A lot of you guys, if you follow the show at all, you've probably heard me at some point tell the story about how I got started with all of this and making my first ever decision to join my first mastermind which was, it was $6,500 for like three days. Right. At, and Big it, ticket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was no calls or continued accountability. None of that. It was three days in Puerto Rico at John Lee Dumas's house. And it was all about podcasting and how to get your podcast business off the ground and running. And uh, there were four other people, I believe, that were there. And Rob was one of those people. So Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be on with you again. And it's just great to see you again. Yes, sir. Always good to hang out. Always good to catch up on what's been going on. It's been, like I said, been a, been a really cool last three years to be able to look back on. And then and the support that, that you have from the people that you met when you're first getting started just means, means the absolute world. So... You know, what's so cool about that is uh, we were all there. You're the one who took the advice and actually put it into action more than anyone else. And to see you blow up, we're also proud of you. So <laughs> I, 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 I definitely I, tried. Yeah, yeah, you've done great, bro. <laughs> I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Let's go ahead and jump in here, man. And for those of you who are listening, if you are a real fan of the show and you've been listening from the very beginning, 
You might recognize Dr. Rob because he came on here as one of my first guests, one of like again, somebody that supported the show from the very beginning. So, but we are going to kind of head back into back in time here and start with some of his story just for context for those of you listening who may not know who he is. So, Rob, take me back. Let's go all the way back here. 11, 12, 13 years old. Where are you? What are you doing? How's school, family life, all that good stuff? Yeah, family life was terrible. And so a neighborhood family actually took me in because a lot of abuse and stuff going on in our house. My mom was married and divorced four or five times. It was alcoholism. You know, as a kid, you just realize they drink a lot. You don't know what all the ramifications are. The family that took me in, they were awesome. They have, I have a little brother. It's from that family. And is it that they formally took you in? Yeah, basically they just kept saying, come stay with us. And my mom wanted nothing more because my other sisters had left by then. I was the only one at home. So they they actually took me in and I went to high school from their house the rest of the time. And they just loved on a neighborhood kid and made all the difference in the world to me. It's one of the things I look back in my life and I say, you know what? If you care enough to help people, you can make a ton of difference. And it's one of the things that uh, has marked my life since then. So they took me in, went to high school. In high school, I had a counselor that called me into her office, two guys there in suits. I'm like, oh boy, what, what's going on here? And she said, hey, uh, these people are from the state of California. The people you live with, they're not your parents, right? And I'm like, no, everything's cool. What's up? Yeah. And it was actually, she had called them in. I signed papers and they made me a ward of the state of California, an emancipated minor is what they called it, hmm. for one reason. Now the state of California would pay for my college. Wow. So that counselor in her last year, she was retiring that year, oldest lady I'd ever met in my life. (laughs) And so again, somebody who was in my life who cared for me, and that's the only way I ever got to go to college. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to ask you this question, and then we're going to jump right back into your story. I just didn't want to forget about it. How do you, I know that you've done so many executive leadership trainings and you've, mm-hmm. you know, run one of John Maxwell's companies and things like that. How do you know when you're past the point of helping somebody to where you feel like you are enabling? At some point, mm-hmm. it's enabling, right? Mm-hmm. At some point, it's like I'm helping as much as I can, but at some point, this is on you, right? Mm-hmm. Or am I wrong mm-hmm. on that? No, no, no. You're absolutely right, because most people will love it if you enable them the rest of their life. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's actually a theme that's uh, my life. Maybe we can explore that a little more. It's loving them enough to say something. Hmm. When you see that, and once you're past that or you've helped enough people, you can pick up on it. Here's my rule of thumb. Just about anyone who says, if someone would just give me a chance, I'll do it. You know, I could become somebody, I could do something. So I'll be a guy who gives them the chance. Travis, only 30% are telling the truth. Mm. They all think they want to do it. So now you give them a chance and they're like, wait, wait, this is really hard work. This yeah. is So what they want is they want a paycheck. They don't want a job. They don't yeah. want a career. And the ones that 30% though, who they just keep going at it and they have grit and they show up every day and they keep going. Those are the ones that make you cry and, you know, they become your heroes in life. So overcomers, everybody who has a a rough start, they say they want to be one. Most people don't want to put in the work. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. At what point do you stop? At what Mm -hmm. point do you cut off the flow to people who you feel like are just being leeches at that point? Yeah, as soon as they make excuses. Mm. Yeah. Here's what I believe. It is not the old who are the mature. Mm. You and I both know somebody older than us who are total immature people. Okay, so what is it that makes somebody mature? And it's always taking responsibility. And perfect example is if you know a family and they have a special needs son or daughter, right? And maybe they're uh, confined to a wheelchair, they can't communicate. 
how mature are the other siblings in that, you know, the little boys and girls? Hey, you know, because all of their life they've had to rally around that one son or daughter. Yeah, right. And so those are the most mature, awesome little kids. Why? Because from the very beginning they had to take responsibility. Yeah. So the only way we mature is if we take responsibility. As soon as people make excuses, that's the opposite of taking responsibility. Yeah, absolutely love that. Okay, so I wanted to ask that before we got into the rest of it. So talk to me now. High school, your career counselor sets you up for success, which is amazing. It is. Um, amazing to have somebody who's in their job that actually cares about what they do and, and is mm-hmm. not just there to fill out paperwork and collect mm-hmm. a paycheck. So what's the next steps for you? So you end up going to school. What do I you do. study? What, yeah. What's what's the school like for you? I go to Sacramento State, okay. uh, the, the Fighting Hornets. Our senior year in basketball, we were one in 22. (laughs) Bringing it, baby. And uh, at Sac State, that was a a couple cool things. I, you know, I go in, I'm a big fraternity dude, I'm doing the thing and and enjoying it. But I, I started to realize my ego was sort of out of control at that point. And it's because for the first time, I didn't have this bad reputation of a family preceding me. No one in Sacramento knew about my family background. They didn't know all Mm. the times the police showed up at our house, all those things. So I could be whoever I wanted. So I decided it's my goal in life to be a jerk, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) So I just started going crazy and I had to sleep with myself at night. And so during the day I was Mr. Popular Fraternity, but all I was trying to do is get with girls or be popular. Sure. I was stealing from my employers, you know, a bunch of other stuff that's just stupid as I look back on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was just trying to fulfill all these needs I had on the inside from yeah. the stuff that was never put into me as a kid that should have been. Yeah. I didn't know that at the time, but it was uh, about three years into my, four years into my college career. It's hard for me to remember because I crammed my four years of college into only six short years. <laughs> uh, but uh, Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> For the, the first time I heard like someone like me could be forgiven. Mm. And I thought, no, not me. I know who I am. Yeah. And so I just kind of took a risk. And that's really where I started exploring faith for the first time. Okay. And uh, my wife and I like to tell people, we're the least religious people you've ever met, but we're ardent followers of Jesus. I think yeah. he's the greatest leader of, of all time. And so we just wanted to, we asked questions like this. Why did all the rough people love hanging out with him? And all the religious people hated the guy. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, obviously, that's something I could talk about for a really long time. Um, And it's a really big tangent to go on. But yeah, regardless of, you know, your religious affiliation, I don't Mm -hmm. think that you can argue the point that Jesus was an amazing leader for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, What year is it? Oh, based on what? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that was before the cell phone, too. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So obviously, faith plays a really big part in your life. And that it kind of started around those college years or after? No, it was was during those college years. And as a result of that, for the first time, I got to stop trying to be a jerk and st- started to just look back and think, if that family wouldn't have taken me in, where would I have been? Mm. If that counselor wouldn't have done that, where would I have been? Sorry to interject again, but that question by itself, mm-hmm. I think, is an amazing question that everybody should ask themselves on at least a fairly consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Because what was happening in your life can happen to all of us if we don't revisit that on occasion where we just start, we start acting a certain way, thinking a certain way, treating people a certain way. When if you could, if you would just sit down for a second and say, if I were just born in a different family Mm -hmm. or a different country or to a different, you know, culture, like I would be the exact same way that that person is. Like we, Mm -hmm. we all have this, we all like to, we would all like to think 
that if we were put into the same situation that that person was put into, that we would end up at the same place that we are now because we're just that awesome. And it's like, that's not how it works. You know what I mean? Like you are the collection uh-huh. of your thoughts and experiences and influences and parents and culture and everything that all of that is poured into you. Mm-hmm. And you are always like becoming that version of you. Like you are a collection of all of those things. That, not Yeah, that's so well yeah. said. Basically, if you think of it this way, you are right now a product of all the decisions you've made. Mm. Some of them good, some of them bad. But the decisions you made and acted on those decisions, that's who you are. Yeah. It, it wasn't, you know, the whole idea of if I could be born different, if I was... I do know that in the United States of America, we have far, far, far more opportunities right. than, than people, most places in the world. But I've been to over 70 countries, you know, mm. when I was running John Maxwell's companies. And even when I was a CEO before that, we had entities on five continents. So I've yeah. traveled a lot. I've met some outstanding people who have nothing, but they work hard and they're a lot happier than we are here. Yeah, right. Yeah. And right. so uh, I just think, man, I want to be like them. To your point, if we can get a little more thankfulness in our life and realize every one of us stand on the shoulders of giants, yes. those are the ones who helped us get where we are. That, that high school counselor, she's a giant in my life. Yeah. So who are your giants? And then you look back and become a thankful person. So sorry to interrupt. Go ahead and jump back into, okay, yeah. into that college story. Uh, not long after that, I met the most wonderful lady in the entire world. Her name's Dawn, and that was towards the end of my college career. I fell head over heels with her. And what was really amazing is I knew her from a peer group. And Travis, I'm just going to look you in the eye so you, can, you know I'm telling the okay. truth here. When I met her, she's like, she's unbelievable. And here's what I thought in my mind. That's the type of person that I want to marry someday. Mm. because she was caring. She was empathetic. She was nice. She was always interested in other people. And so I decided that's the type I want to marry someday. Never, ever, ever in a million years could it have been her. I mean, she's so far out of my league. Forget (laughs) it. And then of course, great things happened in my life. And, uh, and we started dating and ends up, she loved me as well. And we've been married now over 35 years. Yeah. Over 35 years. What are a couple of the biggest lessons there that you've learned over the course of 35 years? I should have listened to her more earlier in my life, but I still, I'm a type A person. I'm a go get them. Let's let's make this happen. And there's several times where she said, look, that's fine. And I think you're doing good, but be careful in this area because you're going to get in trouble. Mm. And I'd end up getting in trouble. Yeah. And and I'm thinking, oh, I should have listened to her. Uh, (laughs) It's always a fun, that's always a fun experience. Yeah. When you have to eat your words like that. Yeah. That, and uh, I would just tell people, we've been to marriage counseling, I'm going to guess five or six times in 30 years. Probably should have been 10, but male ego is only good for once every five (laughs) years or so, right? People right now, all kinds of people, they go, how in the world do you guys have such a great marriage? And the answer is we put in the work. Yeah. Yeah. And so when things go bad, the last thing you want to do is put in the work. But those who do, you get this championship marriage. Yeah, I love, I remember this was one of the first conversations that you and I actually had. Um, I remember sitting at a bar in Puerto Rico and talking a little bit about the marriage stuff. And you you mentioned marriage counseling at the time. And the way that I grew up, any sort of counseling or psychologists or Mm -hmm. any like visiting, you know, Mm -hmm. or getting therapy or whatever was always super taboo. And Mm -hmm. and culturally, widely, it is still that way. It is. Uh, But even more so in the way that I grew up, because Mm -hmm. it was very much like, well, you don't need that. You just need, you know, a thump on the head from the Bible or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I was always very much opposed to that. And then the more that I've gotten into the personal development world and understood more what psychology is, Mm -hmm. the more I've come to realize that like, oh, this is something that 
everybody should be doing. Mm -hmm. Like we all focus on physical health. We go to the Mm -hmm. doctor all Mm -hmm. the time for checkups and things like that, but we never go to the mental doctor, which is arguably even more important than (laughs) than your physical doctor, you know? And if this person, if that really is your number one relationship in life, yeah, right. Yeah. Then why not keep that one healthy? Yeah. Happiness is the number one goal. Like if you have a really poor relationship with the person that you're spending your entire life with, that you have kids with or whatever, Mm -hmm. and that's not a good relationship, it's going to be pretty difficult to be happy during that. And if you don't spend some time to prioritize working on that, then it's going to start eating away at all other aspects of your life as well. And, and to your point, that's something that, that uh, Jackie and I did a couple of years ago that, uh, that really helped our marriage. And we're at a point where we were really, we were really struggling, you know, Mm -hmm. to be honest. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and we, we were just like, look, we got to, we got to figure this out. Yeah, we got to, right. We got to work through this, you know, instead of, and, and face it uh, head on. So well, couldn't you know, agree with, that might with you there. just be the number one takeaway. Someone in this who hears this just like, uh, yeah, humble yourself and get the help. It's yeah. going to be worth it. Right. 100%. 100%. Okay. So let's talk a little bit career stuff here. Okay. So you uh, go to college, graduate. What was the, your degree in? Communications, undergrad. Communications. Mm-hmm. And then you went and got your master's degree. How? What was the, the time difference there? Yeah. So I actually became a youth pastor, if you can believe it or not, in my wife's home church in Kalispell, Montana. Oh. Yeah. I'm wondering if they even have stoplights in Montana <laughs> at the time, right? I mean, this is gun smoke type stuff. But I went up there, I met her family, and they're like, if there's any way you guys could just spend a couple of years up here. So I went up and I did that, and it was really fun. It, it was great. I'm a business-minded guy, but getting that opportunity to just be with the type of people where you can knock on their door and they say, come on in. Yeah, sure. And I, sure. I mean, people that who... small town oh, yeah, community it was, stuff. It was awesome. You have a signed contract, who cares? Did you shake on it and look yeah. them in the eye, right? <laughs> and so we did that for a couple of years. And that was fun. It was great. Zero complaints about that. And I really got to know my uh, in-laws who are the greatest ever. Everyone tells in-law jokes, right? Yeah. And they should, by the way. <laughs> uh, I just happened to win the in-law lottery and we're still real close with everyone awesome. in our family. So that's fun. From there, went on and, and did moved more and more towards administrative type executive type of work mm-hmm. and always had sort of this bent for even uh, I was a number two guy in a huge church outside New York City. Well, think about this. Uh, well, the last church I was in, it's a $55 million church budget every year. Yeah, right. Okay. And so you had better get that right. Right. People say, well, church isn't a business. Okay, then don't pay your taxes. See yeah, how that goes sure, for you, right? Sure. And so leading any big organization, and I wasn't leading that organization. I was just attending the church. I happened to be on the board. But to me, I had these great opportunities. Well, guess who people in the church are? Well, people like the CEO of JCPenney and and another Fortune 500 company in the same church. And they kind of uh, liked me or the way I thought. And so it just opened up opportunities to start doing some of my first gigs and consulting and some other things way back in the day. But my career path has really been leading organizations, or at least at that leadership level. It wasn't until about 20 years in, I became a CEO for the first time. And, uh, and, and Travis, I just loved it. And, and yeah. it goes right back to that. Who's going to love someone enough to say something and building the right kind of team that's going to say what's best for the organization, not what's best for me? you're going to win if you can get that. At what point did you decide to go back and get your master's and and study more? Yeah, great question. I was encouraged to by a couple of guys from that big church. Okay. And I said, yeah, someday I'll think about that. And and I'm thinking, are you kidding? Do you know how much that costs? (laughs) You know, and I I don't have that money, seriously. And uh, one of them said, uh, yeah, if you want to do it, I'll help. Hmm. 
And so Dawn, my wife, says, well, what does that mean? I said, I don't know. I mean, it's good financially, but I don't know what help means. And so I just, one day I said, you know what? You said you'd help, and I, and I, I don't want to be presumptuous or anything, but uh, what does that mean as far as, do, were you thinking of amount? And he goes, yeah, I'll give you 5000 a semester. I'm like, well, okay, that's some help. And this yeah. is, if you can remember, this is 20, over 20 years ago. So yeah. that was a lot of money. Yeah. Well, the other guy who was, he was talking to, he goes, yeah, I'll match his. And so it's basically, wow. it's paid for if you want to go do this. Amazing. And, uh, and so we took a uh, bit the bullet and uh, took it. And, and I really wanted to study more about leadership by then. Because people think leadership, they get business, leadership, and management mixed up. Hmm. But pure leadership, it's, a, it's its own subject, and it, it's, it's a lot harder Extensive in my mind. subject, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it really is, because you've got to know all the numbers, yeah. but you have to know all the organizational psychology part of it as well. And so I uh, was able to do that, actually moved to Dallas to do that. The guy that I wanted to study under, he was a Yale PhD, and he was just super well-known, ends up becoming friends with him and uh, becoming his intern. Nice. Yeah, and that helped me in li- later in life as well. Yeah, sure, sure. And then you ended up going back, getting a doctorate. I did. Yeah, did the whole PhD thing. How was that? It's fun. If my friend John Booker's listening to this, he's the first one who goes, PhD, Robster. Okay, hmm. piled higher and deeper. <laughs> <laughs> and so the day I get my PhD I, and I see him, he, he lifts up his arm way up in the air. I go, dude, what are you doing? He's like, <laughs> save the watch. The boots are history. <laughs> <laughs> so I love this guy. Guess what? He just finished up his PhD. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I, I wanted to know that I knew what I was talking about and what the research said. And even, you know, the little mm. podcast I uh, started and you've helped me with so much. Everyone talks about leadership, but it's all anecdotal. Yeah. Every single day when I'm behind that microphone, I'm talking about research, yeah. but I'm doing it in such a way that a fifth grader could understand it. Yeah. Because to me, I really want to know what is going to help people. Yeah, that's definitely something I've always appreciated about you is that you, exactly what you just said, you're not just giving me anecdotal stories about what you know worked for you and might work for somebody else. It's just so much research that you do. And it's clearly the thing that you're very passionate about because Absolutely. even having studied it for your master's mm-hmm. and getting your PhD in it, you still are you know, daily, weekly reading through periodicals and Harvard Business Review and all these things. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Christmas Day. Yeah. I research on Christmas Day. Yeah. I've got uh, uh, the latest from Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, a bunch of other, not just schools, but other things where I, I get their lists every day. Here's the last five or six things that have come out of. I scroll through them really quickly. It might only take one minute each, Yeah. but there's going to be one or two studies where I go, Ooh, that looks good. I automatically grab it and I email it to myself at an email address I set up called uh, leadertribeideas at gmail.com. And all I do is I take those and I send them over there. Within next time I have a chance, I'm sitting there, you know, waiting for a plane. I bring up those and I go ahead and read through the articles. I'm like, ooh, that's mm. a good one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to share that with my listeners. So you do the every single morning you sit down and... Every single day. And I yeah. love it. That's just part of who I am. Sure. Can you walk us through maybe just like a structure on that, just for anybody sure. that might be looking to implement a habit like that in their uh-huh. life? Yeah. Right now, you can go to Harvard Business Review and uh, you can sign up and get Harvard Business Review. And I think that's probably 120 bucks a year or something. So most people aren't going to do that. But they say, would you like our free daily email? Well, as soon as you sign up for one, you're going to get this list of 20 other daily things that they do. And it's, it's huh. just research or all their online articles, things like that. Well, most of their articles these days, they come online first and they're really good. So they make it into the printed article. Okay. So you can do that with Wall Street Journal, Harvard Business Review, Wharton Business School, Stanford Graduate School of Business. Mm. I'm on all of those lists so that every day, anything new that's coming in, I get it. It's all free. And it's just as an email to me. 
and I can look through that, and there's going to be four or five different articles mentioned. And again, you see usually the uh, title and then maybe the first sentence or two. As soon as, at this point in my life, as soon as I see certain authors, done, you know, mm, if, yeah. if, if Angela Duckworth, who, who did... Uh, this episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is, uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. A grit. Mm. Or if uh, Joseph Grinney, who, who's unbelievable, Marshall Goldsmith, these are guys who have done every company that I've mentioned that they've worked with. You'll be like, oh, they're the one. Daniel Goleman, you know, and emotional intelligence, all that. Mm -hmm. As soon as you just see them, you're thinking, this is yeah. going to be worth reading because they're going to find out some new little nugget. And then I just uh, transfer all of that. So all I do is I go sign up for those listservs. They're all free. And I get an email every day. And when I wake up in the morning, I go through them. It's fourth thing I do every day. Fourth thing that you do every day. What, what are the other things that you do every day? First thing I do is I get up early. We have one of those coffee machines that uh, grinds the coffee. It sounds like an airplane landing oh, in yeah. our kitchen. Yeah. That's a good day when I hear that sound. <laughs> the airplane is here, the baby. The sound followed by the smell. That's it. Yeah, yeah that's exactly that's what it is. Good morning. <laughs> so I go in, I grab a cup of coffee. usually go out on our back deck. I have what I call a quiet time. It's just kind of centering myself and getting the things into my life that are really important to me. Sure. Then I go right in, I, I read a little thing called The Morning Brew or The Daily Brew. I don't know if you've seen this. Okay. Bro, it's the best ever five-minute newsletter. And it's stuff that happened in the business world the night before, but okay. it's written as a satire. It's like Saturday Night Live five-minute newsletter. Oh, nice. It's awesome. Really My cool. wife doesn't care a thing about business. Every day she's like, hey, did you see The Brew today where it said, you know. And so <laughs> That's I, funny. I, I do I'm that. subscribe to that one. Yeah, it's cool. I'll give you a link. Yeah. And then I do The Wall Street Journal. And I am uh, go through Wall Street Journal front to back. I don't read everything, but I, I know what's in there. And then I go on those listservs. And that's sort of my morning routine. Awesome. Most mornings, all of that together takes, oh, probably an hour, maybe an hour and 10 minutes, okay. something like that. But it's, it's just refreshing and good for me. 
And then I decide at that point why it's not a good idea for me to work out like I'm supposed to. And I, <laughs> and I go ahead and grab the Fruit Loops. But, but the first part's pretty locked yeah, it's, in. Yeah, it's got the mental part down yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> okay, so so jump. Let's jump back into the story a little bit. You've worked a lot of, with a lot of organizations over mm-hmm. the course of I your have. career. And um, I'm curious, in when you went to, whether it was your undergrad or master's or doctorate, did you study a lot of anything from John Maxwell? Was, was that, that a part of any of the course material, anything that you did? I had read his books and stuff, and they sure. were very, you know, he's by far more in the leadership realm than anyone else of all time. Got to be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, by far. It's not close. He's got over 100 different books at different times now. He's cranking out a couple books a year, and he's the real deal. So, I mean, John Maxwell, you've had him on your show, right? Yeah. 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 So he's he's a good guy. Okay. A friend of mine told me about him, and I kept going, yeah, 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 because when I read his books, every once in a while, he's doing stuff like... You need to step up to step out. And yeah. I'm like, what does that even mean? I mean, come on. <laughs> that seriously? sounds great. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can tell that he was a preacher first. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. It's pre- almost like a yeah. bunch of fluff. Where's the research? You know, that type of <laughs> right. stuff. Right. Okay. So I take over this organization. I'm a CEO. It's got 700 hospitals and schools around the world, clinics. And I realized I was the first CEO in the history of the organization, which was over 100 years old, that they had ever brought in from the outside. Everyone else had been promoted internally. Wow. So how much trouble were they in to have to go get someone from the outside? <laughs> right. Yeah. And so it was- They were obviously of, looking for answers yeah, at that point. Yeah. It was a turnaround organization, turnaround opportunity. And people in my genre, you, you want to have at least one good turnaround under your belt. So uh, I took the helm of that one and I realized within the first six months- Anywhere in the world where they had a problem, the solution was obviously we need more money from North America. And I just thought, wait, wait, time out. What about? And I realized that this was an organization started with the right heart of building these hospitals and building these schools and helping them, but they had never allowed them to become self-sufficient. And so I thought, are leaders any good or why do they just say we need more money? Money was the answer to everything. Yeah. And so I started traveling more internationally, meeting some of these people and thinking, oh my goodness, take responsibility for yourself. Yeah. You know, I, right. I don't live here. And so I realized there was a huge dearth of leadership throughout the organization. And so I thought, as the CEO, when I'm out as CEO, I want them to look back and think that was the time when everybody had to start taking responsibility for themselves. Yeah. And so I thought, I've got to get the best material in the world that's out there that I can use. And John Maxwell has a, a leadership organization called Equip, where they actually have really good material that's used to train leaders. And my friend had been telling me about this for years. I was doing the prideful, yeah, yeah, step up and step out. You go for it, you know, type <laughs> thing. Now all of a sudden I have a huge need and I call him and I'm like, yeah, um, what was that stuff you were telling me about? Yeah. And uh, he's laughing. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, did you need something? You know. <laughs> so I got great friends, right? They're just killing me. Yeah. I went down, flew down, met with the Maxwell guys and I said, I would like to license all of your material and have the right to go use it. They said, I'm sorry, we don't do that. And I said, obviously you do, you know, that was a yes. It just came out as a no. (laughs) And over two or three weeks of negotiation, we became their first ever pilot project that did that. And it, it worked fantastic. And in one of the situations, and this is in far East Russia, we were doing some training and I thought the material here, it's great material. It's fantastic material. It's not anecdotal. I mean, it's sure. really good stuff. And I said, but they're, they're using it wrong. And so I, I rewrote some of it and I used it a different way. And I created a little white paper and I sent that back to the organization. Now, fast forward, I don't know, eight years later, all of a sudden I get a call one day. The president of that organization was stepping down, the largest leadership development firm in the world. Mm. 
And uh, they started asking the questions, well, what do we want to do in the future? Do we want to go the same direction? How do we want to do it? They decided the direction they wanted to go in the future. When they talked about it, one of their senior VPs goes, you know, there's some clown who actually tried some of that and wrote a white paper for us. And uh, he said, let me see it. And and, uh, he looked at my paper and I had met John on three or four occasions. Mm -hmm. And I would have said, there's no chance he remembered me. I played golf with him once and a few other things. And uh, he goes, yeah, yeah, I know, Rob. Yeah, set him up. And so I uh, flew out. I got this call. Yes, uh, Dr. Maxwell would like to meet you at Pebble Beach to talk to you. I'm like, oh, is that how you do it at that level? <laughs> yeah. Right. And so I'm laughing. Exactly. The, the lady's like, I'm sorry, sir. What's so, this is true. What's so funny? I'm like, well, I don't know. Let me check my schedule. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I can pencil in yeah. John Maxwell at golf at Pebble Beach. Might have to take a rain check. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I go out and I meet him and he wanted to interview me for that position. And it was in that position, I think I shared the first time I was with your listeners, where he had started trying to reach every country of the world. And I had, that had caused a dream in me. I had been working on the material stuff I was doing, going into countries they had never gone into because I wanted to help them with that goal. Mm. So when John's interviewing me, he goes, uh, I said, John, this is going to be a very short conversation if you're not still committed to reaching every country in the world. He said, Rob, I don't know if it can be done. You know, how are you going to do that? Teach inside the borders of North Korea, you know, that type of thing. And I leaned forward and I said, John, if you hire me, we will either reach every country of the world or when they find my body, it will be pointed in that direction. (laughs) And he starts laughing and he looks at his CEO, Mark Cole, and Mark shrugs his shoulders. He looks at his best friend, Tom. Tom shrugs his shoulders. He leans forward and he goes, okay, you're hired. (laughs) And he said, can you get it done in three years? Well, there are 25 hard countries left. And I said, are you kidding? It's taking you 17 years and you're saying, uh, can I do the rest, all the hard? Now, that was... Travis, that was the conversation, but it was all in my mind. Sure, yeah. What What you actually said was... What actually came out of my (laughs) mouth was... Yes, sir. <laughs> and, uh, and that's when I went to work and I ended up actually running two of his companies, but uh, that was the first one. And doing it in a shorter period of time. We got it done in 18 months. Yeah. And just awesome. had to come up with a new strategy. Sure. So amazing, amazing story. Done so many things over the course of, uh, over the course of your career at this point. I do want to talk a little bit about networking relationships because right. I know mm-hmm. this is such a huge driver oh, in your life. Yeah, and obviously the key to life. that's what this yeah. show is all about. Mm-hmm. And I remember actually having that conversation uh, with you when we were in the shuttle going from the, the San Juan airport to Palmas del Mar, which is where, where their house was. I think it was me, you, and Allison that were, okay. that were in, the, in the car, and, and we were kind of just getting to know each other, talking mm-hmm. a little bit about it, which was honestly really probably one of the first ever, quote-unquote, networking situations that I was ever in. Wow. But Very I cool. was trying to start a show about networking because I viewed it to be such an important thing, mm-hmm. and I knew that I didn't know anybody, you know what I mean? And so I was just like, well, it seems like this would be a really cool thing to study and, and learn and highlight mm-hmm. You know how mm-hmm. important it is because it seems like it would be the answer to a lot of life's problems. And um, I remember getting a lot of validation from you mm-hmm. in, that, in that car ride because at the time, like I said, I didn't have any... I didn't have a lot of people in my life that I could ask those types of questions to mm-hmm. and see if it was a good idea or if I was totally thinking in the wrong direction, you know, and I was already a couple months in on building the show and stuff. So I was hoping that I had picked the right choice. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I remember, I remember you saying that uh, like, oh, the network's the key to life and telling a few stories and things like that. So I know it's a huge part of your, of your journey and obviously mm-hmm. the cornerstone of, of what I've, you know, built everything on. I got asked this question first. It's the one that I ask every mm-hmm. guest that comes on. I think I know your answer. Who you know or what you know, Rob, which of the two is most important? It's who you know, but you're not going to get to know them unless you have something of what you know, because mm. they're not going to waste their time on yahoos. Sure. So you become a great person, a person of character, other things like that. 
And then when you meet them, if they trust you, and that's the only key. Yeah. They either trust you or they don't. I mean, we've all met people, the ones who, think about this. I know somebody now, a key somewhere inside every country of the world. Yeah. 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 I I know who a a secret underground leader is in North Korea. Yeah. Somebody says, well, hey, can you introduce me to that dude in North Korea? The only question is, do I trust this person? My answer is, hey, yeah, let me think about that. I'll get back to you. If I get back to you with a phone number to call somebody who will secretly communicate with that person, then I trust you. Most of the time, the vast majority of the time, I I go on, I'll find some Google links and I'd say, yeah, uh, bro, here's some links to get your point. Yeah, Yeah, right. As soon as somebody sends you Google links, they don't trust you. Right. 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 And so to me, it's all about trust. And so I have to ask myself every day, am I really trustworthy? Am I worthy of their trust? Am I and so now to have the friends that I do around the world, and, and I count you amongst those, you know, I'm the mm-hmm. luckiest guy in the world. There aren't that many people that if I really wanted to do something and I had the right motives and my sure. adding value, adding value, adding value that I couldn't get to. Yeah. Because if I don't know them, Travis knows them. Or if Travis doesn't know them, a friend. So if Travis asked me for something, I'm like, no, I don't know, but I know a guy. Right. Right. That, and networking is the key to life. That's the awesome thing about networks, man, is that when you get to know somebody, you don't just expand your network by one individual. Oh, uh, no. You it's know what I'm saying? By like, their entire there's a, book. There's an exponential Absolutely. compounding effect mm-hmm. that happens when you get to know mm-hmm. people, especially when you're getting to know people that operate life at a really high level because they are literally unlocking Mm-hmm. thousands of other connections mm-hmm. every time you meet a new person and build trust with another mm-hmm. person like that. Yeah, and um, go shaft them one time, see how that goes for you. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You can't, yeah, yeah. there's something about, yeah. you know, living a life of integrity that's uh, they, that's going to serve you well. You have to be able run. to trust you. If yeah. you have their cell number, that is for you. That is not for your buddies. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah, that's very true. You said something earlier on the who or the what thing that I want to touch on. And uh, because I found the same thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and and obviously this is a question that when I first started asking that question, it was literally just like, I think everybody thinks that it's who, you know, so Mm -hmm. I'm just going to ask that question. They'll say who, and then we can talk about networking together and talk Mm -hmm. about how awesome it is. But Mm -hmm. then when I started asking the question, I started getting just crazy different responses for it. And it started really making me think about, okay, well, this seems like more of a topic to research rather than like Mm -hmm. a closed ticket. You know, and so that's kind of what this show has been like for me is like a way to research the who you know, what you know thing. And, and ultimately, I still think that it's who you know, but with a couple caveats like the one that you mentioned mm-hmm. where you do have to have a level of competency. And I, and I think that like the main thing that you need to focus on is learning the skill of being able to learn skills. Mm-hmm. And if you can have, if you can get really good at learning, then th- then I think the who you know far outweighs the, the the what you know there. Because if you can get in touch with the right who's and be really moldable and teachable and be able to attract those types of people into your life, then you'll be able to really capitalize on those things. And, and evidenced by, you know, people that were willing to pay for your college to go back and get your master's. Right. Like there was yeah. obviously something that they saw in right. you they wouldn't have just flippantly been willing to throw out a few thousand dollars for you to go get a master's degree. Like they Mm -hmm. saw something in you that made them think that this would be a worthwhile investment for them. So, and whatever that thing was Mm -hmm. is something that you had obviously worked on, but then that who is what pulled you up out of it and allowed you to be able to really capitalize Mm -hmm. on, on that ability. So talk to me about a couple of the ways that you try to build trust with people that maybe have never met you before. You're trying to make a positive impression or, mm-hmm. you know, build a relationship with the first, one of the things that I learned from you. Oh, cool. Yeah. And this was uh, in Puerto Rico and I used to go about it differently, but it's far better now is when somebody asks you a question, I said, uh, you're really good at sales. You're really good at networking, even though you haven't really studied it. So when people start talking to you, what do you do? 
And you said, I give them a short answer, and then I start asking them questions about them. Up to that point, that was a I, good answer. You know what? <laughs> up to that point, I gave them a long answer, and then I talked about me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. That's exactly yeah. right. It's amazing how much better my networking is these days. <laughs> that really helped me. So I'll, I'll give you an example that will answer this question for you. We have a friend who is uh, uh, older, meaning he's 50-something, I think, gets remarried after a long time of being single, finds an incredible woman. Well, he owns a, a really super nice restaurant in Atlanta, even though he wasn't living in Atlanta. So he's going to have a reception at his restaurant in Atlanta. So my wife and I get invited, and we can't wait, you know, because it's going to be, if this guy, he's, he's the guy, right? Right, right. Okay, so we go there. Well, there's only... 18, 20 people in the restaurant that night. And, uh, and so we're like, whoa, you yeah, know, right. we made the list yeah, somehow. Exactly. And so just wanting to go in and say, if these guys know him, they're, they're good, they're right. classy, there's something about them that uh, I want to get to know. And so it, it becomes this treasure hunt. It becomes this opportunity to find out what is it that makes this person tick and how do they become who they are. And as soon as they can start sharing failures and disappointments in their life, all of a sudden you go like, wow, they're the real deal. And I had this magical evening of just getting to know these people. One guy, I'm sitting there, nothing great to look at. He's probably the least well-dressed of all the people. They're a nice guy. And we totally hit it off. So he gives me his card and says, hey, can we get together? Are you here in Atlanta? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. And so I get it. I talk to somebody else following up. They go, do you know who that guy was you were talking to? I go, yeah, Terry's a good guy. He, he does some production type stuff. And he goes, he produces all the music at the Super Bowl. <laughs> so all the Super Bowl acts go through him. And I'm like, yeah, of course he does. I knew that. Yeah, yeah right. Okay. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so something happened that we trusted each other. We liked each other. Now, it really helped that I was invited to this sure. party, and so right. was he. Right. So okay. he was thinking the same thing about you that you were thinking about him. Yeah. Like the people here must be good people, right? Right. And ended up having, uh, you know, meeting a guy who's just one of the most fabulous guys, has got a story of heartbreak and pain and a bunch of other stuff, but it made him who he is today. Mm. I want to be around people like that. Yeah. And right. Who are, who are real. And so, yeah, to me, can uh, the trust is a big one. I've, uh, I've studied on that. I've presented on it around the world. And uh, the number one thing that you can do to get people to trust you is to trust them. Mm. If you go first on trust and what that would look like if with a friend or employee, I'd go like, hey, Travis, I, I want you to know just as your friend, the way that you've helped me has been unbelievable in my life. I really, really appreciate it. And so um, I just want you to know, I've got this new opportunity here. It's not going to be good for me, but it would be great for you. So I'd like you to take it. But bro, this is really, really important to me. And so I'm going to trust you with this. And yeah. I, I trust you 100%. At the same time, deliver your best. Be at your best with this thing because I really care about this person. And I really care about you and I want it to work out. Okay, all of a sudden you're like, wow, I can't believe Rob gave up that income and that relationship and everything else. He's trusting me with that. The likelihood of you trusting me just went way up. And so there's five things you can do to get people to trust you. I usually don't like teaching about them because you can use them to manipulate things sure, as well. Sure. But it's that type of thing. And, and vulnerability is always going to be key in all of that. Well, I would be remiss if I did not ask for a few of those other things. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, here's what I'll do is I will send you not only the list, but a PDF of the PowerPoint I did, and you can put it in your show notes. Perfect. Perfect. Even better. Rob, I mean, we, we could keep talking for a really long time. So if I don't put a hard stop That's on right. it, we probably, <laughs> we probably uh, would probably just keep talking for a while. So last round here, the random round, a few quick random questions, random answers. Ready? Mm -hmm. 
what profession other than your own do you think would be fun to attempt? Baseball umpire. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and chat for an hour, who would it be? Winston Churchill. Why? Winston Churchill, Martin Luther King, a couple guys like that. They weren't even liked by a lot of people, but they rose up at their moment in time and they won the world. And that's the type of person I want to be. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts? Audiobooks or reading. I don't read as much paper anymore, but it's still my favorite. I'll tell you what I will do is on vacation, I will not look at anything electronic. I go right oh, back nice. to old school. What's a book that you would recommend to the audience? Like one that ever, like it applies to everybody that they have to read. Yeah, Learning Leadership. It's four or five years old. I think it's got some geese on the front. It's a red book. It's by Kuzas and Posner. These people have done more leadership research than anyone else. And what they've found is that there are five things that we respect in leaders. It doesn't matter what culture you're from, anywhere around the world, same five things. And then they ask, can those be things that we learn or do you have to be born with it as a personality? Every one of them are things we can learn and they break it down with a bunch of stories so you can actually do it. So learning leadership. What is something that you are not very good at? Wow, that is such a long list. <laughs> um, I would say details. You know, I, I own a little virtual assistant agency in the Philippines and people are like, wow, you've got all these cool little businesses and things like that. That's necessity, bro. <laughs> uh, and so well, I'll tell you right now, even during this time with COVID and all of our meetings have gone to Zoom, right? So anytime I'm meeting with big corporate professionals, and I mean big people, they all know Rob's going to be there and his VA is going to be there. Mm. She's up. It's two in the morning, her time in the Philippines. She sits in on all of my meetings. Her microphone is on silent the whole time. At the end of the meeting, she gives me a wrap up and here's your three actionables that you have to do. Amazing. And so what I do is uh, as soon as I receive that from her, I send it to other people in the meeting and say, I understand these are my three actionables. They also say, um, can I get one of her? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that type right. of thing. So she's, she's amazing, but I'm not that good at details. So thankful I'm at the place I can hire to my weaknesses. What is your go-to pump up song? Everybody dance now. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Down with the tone, back in the place. The jam is live and I hope I don't waste time on the mic. Oh, you that just wanted the, the title? Yeah. Yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> that is the go-to. That's it, that's baby. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, as it. we get everything wrapped up, what is one place online where our listeners can go to connect with you the most? Yeah, Leader Tribe, all one word, leadertribe.com. Of all of my email addresses in the world, the one that I answer personally every time is rob at leadertribe.com. Perfect. Look, guys, if you're not reaching out to some of the amazing guests that we have here on the show, I think you're doing yourself a big disservice. Rob just gave you the email address that he answers personally. So if you have questions, if you want uh, if you want to chat about leadership or ask a question about something, please be sure to reach out to Rob. If you're listening to this right now and you enjoy some of the content we put out on this show, then you're going to want to head over to Leader Tribe Podcast and subscribe to Rob's podcast over there. He gives so many amazing leadership tips all the time. So if that's something that is important to you, then head over to your whatever podcast app you're listening to this in, search Leader Tribe. It'll pop up and hit the subscribe button, leave a quick rating review. Yeah, on that one, actually put in your daily dose of growth and then it will come up every time. Leader Tribe usually comes up, but your daily dose of okay. growth because it's a eight minute daily show. Okay, so your daily dose of growth, head over to uh, your favorite podcasting app, your daily dose of growth connect with Rob over there. Rob, thanks so much for coming on, man. Always a great always, time. Always, always a great time. Appreciate it, bro. Well, that's it for this episode. If you want to connect with me and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapel.com slash group to join my free Facebook group, The Lounge. I'll see you over there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.